Good morning and welcome to Breakfast with the Beak. I am your host, Johnny Goodtimes. Joining me is my sidekick. I'm Dr. Eisenberg. Good morning, Big Nicks. Good morning, Johnny, for the last time. Yes, indeed. Good morning and good morning to all you fine folks out there joining us for one last voyage out into podcast country. Johnny, you know what the real problem is? With doing a show reliably week after week where you can talk about bullshit current events that people forget about and then making one final one to count is... I ha- I, I, okay, so I just in the last ten minutes okay. discovered that little Kim, a uh, uh, former BFF of Notorious B.I.G. And, and junior mafia member, uh, uh, her, her, she's pregnant and her baby daddy is a gentleman named Mr. Papers. Hey, 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 hey. Alleged baby daddy. Alleged baby daddy. Some people think it's Floyd Mayweather. That's okay. amazing too. I know. But his name is Mr. Papers. Which is a terrible rap name. I have so many jokes. I could do an entire show on Mr. Papers without ever hearing one of his raps. And we don't have time for it because we have a finale. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I could comment on how that sounds like a Riley Freeman name. Yeah. But there's no time. No. And... For fuck's sake, are people of the future really going to be interested in that? I don't know if anyone's interested in Mr. Papers now. See, this is going to be really sad when he's dead. I know, but see, right now he's not even notable enough to have his own Wikipedia page. But who knows what the future holds? That's a very good point. I mean, what if 50 years from now, his son and little Kim's son turns out to be the president? There's going to be people talking about how the president's dad was a guy who called himself Mr. Papers. President Papers. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be amazing if he took the name Papers Jr. Or, yeah. ju- or Junior Papers. Or, I think Junior Papers is better. That is better. Yeah. See? Yeah. And then there'll be like a footnote. It's like no one in the year 2014 seemed to know who this guy was, but we found a clip in an obscure podcast. <laughs> that... Could potentially happen. I mean, we don't know what'll happen. No, and no. and that's the thing. That's that's the world that we're leaving behind. You know, mm-hmm. like hey, there was an earthquake in Los Angeles. That's true. Mister Papers may have gotten little Kim pregnant. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is just snapshots of an era. Yeah, this is just this weekend. Yeah, that's just stuff that has happened in the last few days. Yeah, you know. So, and but you know, we're uh, we're we're uh, we're closing up all the loose ends. Actually, we closed up most of the loose ends last week. We closed up a lot of loose ends last week. It was very cathartic. We sent all our friends on their merry way, yep. so to speak, and uh, we alienated our entire audience. That's not something we did just last week. Well, no, we did that the week before, and we've done it a little bit every week. Yeah, I feel like the audience was almost pre-alienated. Well, I think we closed the book on that once and for all in the last few shows. (laughs) (laughs) But, as we mentioned, there's one topic left. Indeed. And what do we do on Breakfast with a Beak? We discuss topics. We do. So, uh... Should we even bother rolling for this one? Uh, 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 well, there's only one item on this list, so if you roll anything other than a one, then we discuss blank space. That could be tedious. Okay, here we go. Johnny, what's the final topic? The Origin of the World, submitted by Tatiana from Minsk, Belarus. Thank you, Tatiana. That is an international fucking topic. Wow. Yeah. That is fantastic. Our first and only topic from Belarus... Yes. 
And uh, the origin of the world. The, the origin of the world. That's a that's more than an international topic. That's the topic. That's an intergalactic topic. If you think about it, like like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was always the joke was like, what's the question? Yes. You know, because you know it's not enough to say I want the answer. It's like you can't sum everything up into a question. Yeah. And we're not doing that, of course. No. But you know, questions like why are we here? What's the meaning of life? Like that's sort of. That that always seems like something that's more a matter of just you know opinion, individual philosophy. Yeah, short of short of God or possibly some kind of extra dimensional aliens descending and explaining it. Right. We're probably not going to get some clear answers on that one. And it's really more of a, 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 a point of view question. But the origin of the world is something it turns out we can figure out, and we mostly have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't know all the details, but we've got a pretty good timeline. We've got the broad strokes. We've got more than the broad strokes. Scientists have have stewed it down. I think most notably in like soundbite form. Yes. I probably Carl Sagan and later Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. I mean, we've been plugging Cosmos on this show. We are not affiliated with them. We just like it. It would be amazing if we were affiliated, but yeah, no, but no, we can't we're not. claim that. But we've been plugging them for a reason, which is that we like what they talk about, we dig what they do. Absolutely. And indeed, the the hosts of both versions of that program mm-hmm. were extremely good at explaining topics of, of this kind of magnitude. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Where, fundamentally, not, not everything, but where all the stuff that is us yeah. comes from. Where the matter that you and I are using right now came from. Right, right, right. And, uh, you know, we could stall all day or try to explain it, but the fact is it's already been explained. Right, right. And uh, here's Neil deGrasse Tyson explaining it. This is a fairly famous clip. It's generally referred to as, like, the astounding fact. Yes. Um, but it, 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 let's go to that. We're gonna. It's very prevalent here, and then we'll talk about it. All right. The most astounding fact is the knowledge that the atoms that comprise life on Earth, the atoms that make up the human body, are traceable to the crucibles that cooked light elements into heavy elements in their core under extreme temperatures and pressures. These stars, the high-mass ones among them, went unstable in their later years. They collapsed and then exploded, scattering their enriched guts across the galaxy. Guts made of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and all the fundamental ingredients of life itself. These ingredients become part of gas clouds that condense, collapse, form the next generation of solar systems, stars with orbiting planets. And those planets now have the ingredients for life itself. So that when I look up at the night sky, and I know that, yes, we are part of this universe, we are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. When I reflect on that fact, I look up, many people feel small because they're small and the universe is big, but I feel big. Because my atoms came from those stars. 
Well, there you have it. All right, this is big stuff. Yes. This is not. This is not internet cartoons. This is not a bad movie of the week. Okay, not at this all. is this is a big real topic. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's nice to come to that at the end of the show. I mean, and although he didn't specifically go into all the details of the formation of the Earth, there mm-hmm. he got into the one that certainly has the biggest impact on us. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and you can you can reverse engineer this stuff, right? Oh well, yeah. Take what we take, just to elaborate on this. Take what we know, okay? We're people doing stuff, okay? Uh, pretty much. We know there are people and things and animals and buildings and all that shit, right? Yeah. yeah. Trees so, and such, and right. Water. So so you know, eventually someone gets it under a microscope and realizes. All these people and things are made of atoms. Yes. Right? And so, then we find out, well, where are atoms made? Big Bang, it's just hydrogen. Yeah, it it throws out a whole bunch of the original hydrogen. Right. Hydrogen, of course, the first element, it's one proton. Yeah, there's not a lot going on with hydrogen. You got your one proton, you got your one electron, and it goes around. Exactly. It's very simple. There's not much to it. We use it, you know, and it bonds with everything, but at the beginning of the universe, just hydrogen. Yeah. So, hydrogen, you know, it it compacts together and forms the first stars. Gravity pulls together clouds of hydrogen that then ignite. Right. And those those big, uh, basically, hydrogen fires out in space, they're so hot and so powerful... That they cause nuclear reactions that compound the elements until they make heavier elements. First one's helium. They're nuclear fusion. The the atoms, the hydrogen atoms, fuse with each other. Right. To form new elements. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And, 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 but a a regular star like our sun, like a yellow star or a red dwarf or any of them, really. Uh, uh, they can only do so much. They have a finite lifespan. They burn out their fuel. Well, right. But they're also... They can only uh, uh, cause so many nuclear reactions. Also that. Like, up at the sun, it's mostly just hydrogen-helium. Hydrogen-helium. Some of those stars go supernova, and the explosion makes heavier elements, and shoot those heavy elements out into the cosmos. And then, just as the hydrogen cluster together in clouds... Mm-hmm. These heavier elements are drawn together. Right. And uh, these, of course, being, you know, more solid than hydrogen, which was a gas, mm-hmm. they uh, they clump together. They form big balls of stuff. Right. And the bigger they get, the more stuff they pull in because of gravity. Right. You get generations of stars that make heavier and heavier elements. Yes. You know, your carb- carbon and nitrogen and silicon and so forth. Yes. And, well, exactly. I mean, e- even when they start forming stuff together, you know, mm. things that aren't stars. Right. You know, even the early generations of those, kind of unimpressive. But then the star goes supernova. Everything within the star and everything around the star gets once again dispersed. Right. Once and, again forms back together. And when a new star is forming, okay... Basically, because everything in the universe has gravitational pull. So you get a big clump of stuff out in space, and it starts pulling at each other. Yeah. You know, so the the biggest clump that has the most mass, it pulls in, and it has enough density to make a star. 
But there's other stuff that doesn't get pulled in, but gets pulled close enough to orbit around it, and it swirls in a big mass of stuff. Yes. And and like in an asteroid field, it keeps clumping, smashing into each other. Yeah. Eventually makes planets. That's uh, pretty much where planets come from. And like, yeah, like you said, first generation of planets, probably not much to them. Yeah. But like... A lot of gas, a lot of dead rock. Exactly. Yeah. But eventually, with succeeding generations of stars being born and going nova and, you know, making new piles of stuff... Yes. Some of those planets take in more interesting elements. You know, iron and carbon and stuff. And... And eventually, of course, you know, not just elements, not just atoms, but molecules. You know, collections of... Multiple atoms that form some new compound. Right, right. Organic compounds. Yes. That, you know, under the right conditions can spawn life. That can at least reproduce themselves. Mm-hmm. And those eventually give rise to the very earliest, most primitive forms of life. Right. You know, effectively little single-celled organisms that can't do much except, you know, split in half and make more of themselves. Yeah. But even those... Sometimes they don't split in half. Sometimes they split into four little pieces that each have half of the, the DNA of the original. Right. And those, maybe they form back with each other and make the same perfect copies they would have made. Maybe they form together with little quadrants of, you know, some other cell. Suddenly, crazy new bits of DNA. Sometimes cells come together and exchange strands of, uh, of DNA or amino acids or whatever you have. Right. There. And after a few billion years, you know, you get life that's intelligent enough to think about those things. Yes, you have yeah. you you have an increasing level of diversity of life. Right. The cells start living together in colonies because that's a good survival strategy. Mm-hmm. And then members of those colonies take on specialized roles. Some are in charge of, you know, bringing in whatever this little colony eats and distributing it to the other cells in the colony. Some of them are responsible for, you know, going towards light, away from light, whatever. Sure. And from there we get multicellular organisms. Right, right. But the, I think the really exciting thing here... Yeah. Because, I mean, people have, you know, said some version of, we come from the Earth Yeah. since, you know, antiquity, right? You know, from dust to dust, that kind of thing. Absolutely. But it, it, it's, it's bigger than that. It's because Earth, as much as Earth feels like a solitary mm-hmm. contained biosphere, mm-hmm. and in one sense it is... It's it's part of a system of the entire universe. It is, but that's a very temporary state of affairs. Mm-hmm. Like, we just happen to... Life happened to arise on this particular pile of matter. Right. And the life on this particular pile of matter happens to, you know, be comprised of that same matter. We, you know, we eat stuff that we then process into what keeps us alive, our cells, our atoms... Right, but all that stuff isn't just made from, you know, the Earth. It's made from stuff that prior to the existence of the Earth was literally forged inside stars. Exactly. Like, everything, you, me, the Internet, is all made of shit that was originally made inside stars. Absolutely. There's a, there's a, I have an awesome book called Where Is Everybody? Okay. And it's a, it's a bunch of theories about why humans haven't made contact with other aliens. And it, right. it, it stems from a, a, a scientist um, in the 20th century just eating lunch one day and looking up and goes, wait a minute, where is everybody? 
That's how they work. And, and he's got a good point. Science! Yeah. And the, and the book is very cataloged and awesome. I don't have time to go into the details. But one of the things that comes up, and this is also something that comes up in, in talks of the Drake equation. Okay. Is um, how long it takes. Because we know, and there was, you know, confirmation on this last week even. All right. I, we know the universe in its current state is about 13.5 billion, billion years old. Yes. Uh, but... That doesn't mean you can start looking for aliens as far back as 13 billion years ago. Uh, certainly not. Generations of stars, generations of planets. Right. Many of the first billions of years of the existence of the universe... Didn't have stuff to make aliens out of. Yeah, there weren't elements heavy enough or diverse enough to make anything that could become life as we know it. Yeah. So, you know, could there be aliens that existed prior to Earth people? Sure. Totally. But not that far back. Not that prior. Not 10 billion years ago. Probably not. You know, the old Scientology thing about a space-faring civilization 100 trillion years ago or whatever? Yeah, no, Scientology gets a lot of the dates fucked up. I'm afraid that's right out. Yeah, no, they're dealing with spans of time that are longer than the universe is projected to exist. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, whoops. L. Ron <laughs> Hubbard was wrong. Who, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Me? Yeah, 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 me too. I'm not the first by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, I think we'd all thunk it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of Scientologists thunk it. They find out what he said and they're like, I'm out. Well, I would. Yeah. 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 It's like, I'm so I'm sure some of the positive affirmation stuff is nice, but... Well, yeah, but... Uh, anyway. Throwing that aside, because fuck it. Come on, fuck it. <laughs> fuck it, yes. Yeah. But speaking of fuckable religions... Okay. <laughs> The now I I don't know exactly what Tatiana had in mind when she asked us to talk about the origin of the world. Yeah, I mean I I think clumps of various types of elements all forming together in a big ball with fucking lava in the middle is pretty awesome. Oh yeah, and it's or, fascinating. Uh, magma when it's underground, but, right? Uh, <laughs> and it all comes together. Yeah, you know, it's you can you can demonstrate various facets of it. However, prior to these discoveries, Uh-oh. of course. Many cultures and, and religions and so forth have lots of ideas about the origin of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that that's the one thing that every civilization that we know about has had in common. Right. They all lived on the world and were aware of it. Exactly. So, it turns out, creation myths, regardless of how many thousands of years ago they came about, they fall into a few categories, right? All right. Of course, you got your, you know, your boring old uh, Hebrew creation myth. The one we've all heard. Yeah, one God creates the world in six days out of nothing. Yep. It doesn't really say where he came from. It just says, in the beginning, there was this guy. He made everything. The end. It doesn't even say that. It just says, in the beginning, there was nothing. And then this guy noticed there was nothing. Right, Which right. Which is like, that raises further questions. It, it does. It does. <laughs> then, but there are... are, are, are there's also a, 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 a cosmic egg. My favorite one is the Orphic egg, which is a, a Greek myth. Okay. Uh, in the Orphic egg story, Phanus, uh, also known as Protagonus, okay. uh, is a hermaphroditic god that hatches from a cosmic egg. Wow. And then creates all the other gods. <gasps> and so, and then, and then, of course, you know, they tell other stories where the gods create everything else. Yeah, but at least this one covers. How God's making stuff, which is, you know, God reproduces like worms. Right, right. It starts out, well, there was an egg, and then a hermaphrodite popped out of it. That's, uh, <laughs> troubling. It's neat. 
Yeah, I mean, but uh, yeah, there's. It a makes lot of... me feel inadequate, though. It's like, oh, I'm not made in God's image. Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You don't. A, a worm is made closer to God's image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So chew on that. Yeah, worm. Yeah, suck it, everyone who's not a worm or other reproductively similar animal. There's another one I like. Okay. And this oh, is okay. I'm like, I'm still getting ready to be mad about worms, but go for it. Well, you know, cosmic egg. Yeah. But uh, uh, there, there's something that's generally referred to as the earth diver scenario. Okay. This comes up a lot in, like, uh, Native American folklore. Mm-hmm. And in this one, uh, uh, generally some sort of supreme being sends an animal into uh, primordial waters okay. down to find stuff, like oh. bits of mud and things, to make the land out of. Well, that works. So yeah. as, as an origin myth, it's 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 not complete. It's yeah. like, okay, so there's just an ocean in the universe. There was already stuff there, but we uh, moved it around. But we got a clever fox okay. to go down and bring up some of the mud to build America out of. Yeah. And that's that's interesting, in part because... If you take away the supreme being and the fox, yeah, or the bear or whatever it is, yes, <laughs> it is building the world we live on out of stuff in the universe. That's true. It that's... is weirdly prescient of astrophysics as we know today. Oh yeah, no, but that's that's one of those things where you know if you if you dig into a lot of creation myths. Mm-hmm. You can find just enough parallels to be like, oh, see, through religious revelation, these people were getting truth. Like, you know, the the, the cosmic egg, you know, before the Big Bang, mm-hmm. there was a tiny little smaller than an atom lump with apparently everything in it. Right. That then burst. Yeah. It's like... Cosmic egg. Let's call it an egg. Take mm-hmm. away the personification, yeah. so to speak, and there are there's a, a, a parallel... That you can find if you look at Yeah, around. like, within creationist circles, the people who want to hang on to creationism but not go literal with it... Right. They say, you know, oh, no, well, every day represents about two billion years. Nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense it's, in that the person writing it was actually thinking that. Yeah. That yeah. is... There's no way the person writing that was like, yeah, that's what I'll say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a, I think it was probably a few billion years, but mm-hmm. I'm just going to say a day. Because I'm the one smart guy from 7,000 years ago. Yeah, fuck it. You know, people will figure it out. Yeah. It's just how we talked back then. We were all poets and certainly not illiterate sheep herders. Right. Yeah. <laughs> However, there's another kind of creation myth I like that is also in a way similar. Okay. Uh, so in Mesopotamia... Well, their myths are always so grim, this will be fun. Yeah, uh, so, so that story, uh, Marduk uh, killed the goddess Tiamat... He used half of Tiamat's body to create the Earth, i.e. ripped her into pieces and built an Earth out of Tiamat. Yeah. And then he used the other half to create Paradise in the Netherworld. Similarly... That sounds like a video game. (laughs) Similarly, in Norse mythology, uh, uh, the Azer raid Ymir's body up out of the sea and built Midgard, which is what they call the Earth, out of Ymir's body. See, that's that's cool, but again, these like that sounds like the, an idea that survived for the sake of everyone's D and D games. Sure, and it sounds badass. Yeah, but again, if you take away the uh, 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 anthropomorphic god thing, yes, then you know Tiamat or Ymir, if they're 
a star that's building carbon atoms through, you know, non-conscious nuclear reactions. Yeah. And then you build new planets out of what's left of that star stuff. Yeah. It's a cool parallel. Fuck it, I like walking around on a dead god. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's not a dead god, it's a dead star, and you are also made of that dead star, just like in Mesopotamia, you're made out of a piece of a dead god. Hell, you're made out of a piece of probably a bunch of dead stars. Oh yeah, you know it's not it's not necessarily just one. Yeah, whether it's generations of dead stars or multiple stars. Hell, galaxies are constantly in motion; they spin. You know, like they are flinging off stars. It takes millions of years. The people who might be on any planet orbiting those stars, you know, by and large, don't notice. It, no, it's just too big a scale. Yeah, I mean, like last week Tyson had that cool animation about what it'll look like. When the Milky Way collides with Andromeda. Yes. And that is badass. But that was sped up on a magnitude of billions of years. Yeah. We would, any human that would be living on Earth when that happens wouldn't necessarily. I mean, they might know through like telescopes, well, uh, this is what it looked like 10 million years ago. It's different now. But even if our sun was cast off from the spiral arm and just sent out hurtling through the galaxy, Right. The chan- I mean, the, the sheer number, the, the thousands or perhaps even millions of generations it would take for that process to complete. Oh yeah. Civilizations, civilizations would rise and fall thousands of times over. Intelligent species have time to rise and fall in that scope. Correct. Correct. I mean, humans can go extinct and the octopi can evolve and build their own civilization. And whatever galaxy they happen to land in, you know, a billion years from now... Right. They can be like, yeah, as far as we know, we've always been here. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, and there's one other type of... Just to be inclusive. Just to be inclusive. Because I left out China on this list. Oh, and their stuff's always so great. Chinese culture goes back so far, but it's a little harder to get, like, concrete mythos writings. Yeah. Uh, but I found a quote from the Tao Te Ching... Mm-hmm. Uh, about 400 BC-ish. All right. Uh, 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 the way gave birth to unity. Unity gave birth to duality. Duality gave birth to trinity. Trinity gave birth to the myriad creatures. Which is is sort of a... It's sort of like order out of chaos. Yeah. But uh, again, if you... You know, if you read really deeply into the metaphor... Oh, yeah, cell division. Cell division or generations of stars exploding. Also, yes. Yeah. And, and, and massive nuclear explosions that create new atoms. Yeah. You know, hydrogen begets helium, helium begets carbon. Oh my god, that's, yeah, that's right? just count the electrons. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, whether or not any of these antiquity kinds of, you know, thoughts and things yes. have any bearing on predictions of actual science. Yeah. It's basically impossible to know. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. like, certainly there have been people who have made lucky guesses through the years. Mm. And, you know, starting really not until sort of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment when we had the tools to start looking. Right. You know, starting around those periods, we were able to start putting these theories to the test. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, part of what was driving people was the the old myths and the old religious texts, getting them to say, well, we could check up on that now. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, like, a lot of modern science grew out of the repeated failures of alchemy. Absolutely. Which, and then alchemy, you know, is a reasonable predecessor in that it did require experimentation. Yes, but it also required every person working on it to keep their secrets 
secret, you know. Which is not helpful. Not helpful because every single one of them ended up drinking mercury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and and it's the, you have like uh, uh, it, it's the precursor to proprietary uh, uh, hardware. Yes, you know the the ancient alchemists were the Apple computers of their day. They really were. If you yeah. wanted to build your own, you had to be really careful. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, everyone can use a USB port. Yeah, but Apple has all these neat things you can't modify and put in other things. Those bastards. Just like alchemists. Just like alchemists. Damn it, cocksuckers. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, like you know, some of those creation stories are lovely. Sure. Some of them are fucking awesome. Yeah. we're walking around on dead gods. Yeah, some of them are at least cool, hardcore stories. Yeah. And they, and the, and they don't necessarily have an ultimate explanation, because nothing does. I mean, even, you know, the best physicists can't really in any way tell you what came before the Big Bang. Because that's as far back as we can see, because prior to that, time as we knew it probably didn't exist. Exactly. The ways we measure time and space only go back 13 and a half billion years. That's how much time there has been so far. Correct. So, Yeah. yeah. Beyond looking at, you know... Completely fictional origin stories. Sure. Not just mythological, because those at least have a basis in civilizations that have existed. Yeah. But, you know, within, like, hell, within science fiction or within fantasy, you know? No. Douglas Adams said the Earth was a big old organic computer designed to calculate the, the question, you know? Sure. I mean, Tolkien has the creator and a bunch of sort of non corporeal beings surrounding him. Uh huh. And he doesn't start creating right away. He leads them in song, <laughs> which eventually, you know, and and the song tells the story of what will come. Well, Tolkien does love to have his characters sing. He does. He does. They're always singing. Yeah. No, I mean, well, that's exactly it. It's a reflection of of what he thinks is is important, you know. And he thinks poetry is very important. Yeah. I mean, Middle Earth is is kind of like hanging out at Pharrell's house. You you just like, hey, you want to make a mix today? All right, sure. Yeah. You just stop everything and you you know you you sing a song together. Yes. That's what happens at Pharrell's house. That is exactly how Middle <laughs> Earth came to be. Exactly. And uh, yo, you Bilbo, know, you want to sing on this track? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that reflects, again, you know, his personal, uh, I don't want to say obsessions, Uh but certainly the things that, his priorities. Sure. His priorities. Right. And, obviously, the the creation myths of various societies reflect, if not the priorities of those societies. Yeah. Certainly the, the priorities and the biases of whoever was writing them. You know, I mean, the... uh, Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can tell a lot about, say, the Mesopotamian or the Norse character (laughs) by the fact that we're all walking around on a corpse. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, that... Not just that we're walking around on a corpse, but the idea that there are gods who... And and gods are almost always, you know, personalized in some way. Yes. They are very human. You know, not just the Greek gods who are constantly fucking and killing each other and, and all looking that shit. like humans. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, most of them, yeah. they have the personalities of humans, but they are their bodies are made out of things you can make whole worlds out of. Yeah. You know, I, I imagine, you know, someone who would be coming up with this idea yeah. is just thinking of a giant, you know, Galactus-type creature that's just walking around being made of, like, spare stuff. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, that, well, that's it, though. I mean, it's... A dirt giant. Right away, though, they're, they're implying, hey, our gods are killable. Mm-hmm. Some of them got killed before we even started worshipping them. Yeah. Before we were even here to worship them. In Star Trek, Klingon mythology is based around the warriors who killed the gods. That's awesome. It is. <laughs> well, that's exa- that's another good point. I mean, you know, aliens, if there are aliens out there... Sure. ...have their own whole host of stories like this. Absolutely. I mean, you know, no one just... I assume, anyway... No one starts out perfectly rational and knowing the best ways to, you know, decipher facts. Oh, even if they did, telescopes are hard to make for cavemen. That's true. You so, gotta just speculate for a long ass time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've only known how to do that for a few hundred years. I mean, think about an alien that evolves intelligence but lacks any capacity to make tools. Not just like a dolphin or something, but like, you know, let's say a very intelligent blob. Okay. Like, they can't make pseudopods or something. You know, You know, doesn't have thumbs, can't craft any kind of manipulatable tool or, you know, fire or anything. Okay. All they can do, regardless of how intelligent they are, is just sit there and speculate. Actually, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to come up with some really cool stuff. Yeah. Probably all going to be wrong. I mean, maybe a few million years go by and a monkey evolves with, you know, hands, Mm -hmm. and then they have to work out a way to talk to the monkey. Hey, monkey, build me a telescope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See, that's... I mean, unless there is indeed a race of monkey trainers out there. (laughs) Right. They're probably just going to be coming up with a lot of best guesses. Absolutely. I mean, which is... Again, the boat we were in for very long, you know, Mm -hmm. and more recently, less so. Sure. But even then, I mean, like, scientists don't like to talk about this because, well, basically because there's a lot of people in the world who are not fond of science right now. Yeah. And so admitting to the weaknesses of science, or not even the weaknesses, but just the the, the truth about its methodology. Uh Uh-huh. People will point at it and be like, see, I told you, they're just guessing, you know. But science at any given moment is just what we currently know, the accumulation of knowledge so far. Right, and any predictions are the best guess based on the current available evidence. Yeah. You know. In theory, a whole bunch of new evidence could be found and overturn any number of things. Like, if actual God, you yeah. know, Judeo-Christian God, just showed up in Times Square tomorrow and said... Oh, hey guys, I'm back. Yeah. Let me fill you in on what you missed. In case you need proof, here, I'll make a dinosaur. Blam. Right. Yeah. Then any real scientist, someone who ascribes to the scientific method, will say, oh, new evidence has presented itself. Uh, We need to change the model. Not just that, but, hey, holy shit, biggest discovery in the history of mankind. (laughs) That too. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, they're not going to say, no, this goes against our science dogma, which yeah. isn't a thing. Yeah. You know, they're no, going to, you know, they're going to say, oh, new, new discovery. Once the evidence is there, you're stuck with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, they're going to want to test him. They're going to want him to make some dinosaurs. Well, yeah. I mean, fundamental in the method is not just that you can make something happen once. Yeah. It's that something can be repeated and verified by outside sources. Yeah, because otherwise it could just be a crafty time traveler. Exactly. Which would also be a big deal. I mean, that would be cool, Yeah, but we'd learn something different. Yes. Star Trek has lots of very powerful aliens who pretend to be gods and, you know, tease some, like, you know, less, some more primitive species. 
You know. I know, they did a whole movie about it. They did a movie about it, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of episodes, especially on Classic Trek, where there were, you know, energy beings or whatever. Sure. Who certainly painted themselves as more impressive than they actually were. Yeah. And again, culminating in the movie, what does God need with a starship? Absolutely. <laughs> Leonard McCoy, for all that he wants to learn great truths about the universe, yes. he has to stop in the middle of this, you know, godlike tirade and say, wait a minute. Yeah. What would a god need with a starship? Hold on. Jim, I think he's full of shit. That's not the exact line. It's not but the exact line, but that's the gist of it. It's the subtext. Yes. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah. Yeah, unless that happens, what we know about the origin of the world is what we've said. Uh, correct. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, to the best of my knowledge, basically what everyone knows. There are a whole lot of beautiful stories about it. Yeah. But, I mean, if you ask me, none of them even come close to what actually went down, as far as we know. Right, right. I mean, I mean, you know, Tyson and, and Sagan and everybody, they're not wrong in pointing out how, you know, impressive it is. You know, like Sagan always says, we're made of star stuff. Well, we are. Yeah, you know? that's literal. <laughs> that you know? our atoms and the atoms of the planet we're living on were forged in stars. Yeah, yeah. And spit out into the universe through explosions beyond anything we've ever imagined. Really doesn't get cooler than that. Not at all. Yeah, even being made of, you know, a super space Viking isn't as cool as being made of, you know, generations of cosmic explosions. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that the stuff that I am made out of right now... Right. ...started out in a star untold billions of years ago... Yeah. Yeah, that feels pretty fucking good. Yeah. You know? I mean, holy shit. Any take all your take all your other shit and look at that like it's important and fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Someday the sun will explode and wherever my body is. Yeah. Those atoms will get dispersed back out into the universe. Exactly. You know, take your petty jealous gods and go home. This is cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Very um, much so. Yeah. So that's the origin of the world, Tatiana. Uh, yeah. And everybody. Everybody. You know, we started with the Russian space program. We've made it to the origin of the world. Breakfast we started in beak. space. We're headed back out to space. And I'm, I'm happy we're ending this way. I am too. This is a good topic. This Absolutely. is a. I don't know if it's a fun topic, but it's a cool topic. It's the topic. It's the final topic. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, we've spent three years really learning about the world. And, and now we're very literally learning about the world. Yes. Yeah. I mean, every other topic, with a few exceptions, is mostly just stuff happening on the world. Right. I mean, yeah, there are a few about space. Well, that's okay. Uh, uh, the world observes space. Well, exactly. As our observation of space. As Carl Sagan said, we are a way for the universe to observe itself. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've been doing that. I mean, sometimes it involves observing beams or Legos <laughs> or crayons or whatever. Yeah, sure. You know. Uh, yeah, those are all, those all came from stars too. Bitchy sock puppets and you know custard and uh, yeah, yeah. Globy. Yeah, What's yeah. Up, Globy? That's getting really meta. You know, yeah. the model of the world on the world. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. He, he talks about the yeah. It's a puppet. It's a fun puppet from the eighties. It's eighties subculture. That's part of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I think we're good, Johnny. I think I think we've. Completed Breakfast with the Beaks mission. I agree. I think we've talked about everything. Yeah. Pretty much. 
Yeah, basically, like we've hit the we've hit the important bits. Yeah, you know, we've covered everything on this particular ball of matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe out there in the universe, there's breakfast with a something else, and yeah. they're talking about their planet. I would like to hear that podcast. Absolutely, yeah. some other planet, breakfast with the pseudopod or whatever. Mm-hmm. What's up? Yeah, it's nice to know that's out there somewhere. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> probably. So until we meet again, keep riding that dog rocket. See you in the data patch. Okay, we're not actually gone, because we need to say big special thanks to everyone who's given a fuck about Breakfast with a Beak over the last three years. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. Because, like, you know what? When you're a podcast, a no-name podcast with no Hollywood connections, no money, no one getting your back. Yeah. All the people out there who are willing to give a fuck, to send in topics, to mention you on their shows, that's cool. They, They deserve... Our thanks. People who are writing iTunes reviews. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know anybody. We don't have, like, a foundational funding. We're not also stand-up comics. We're just some guys. We're just some guys in a kitchen. So this is the special thanks to... All right, so... All right. Uh, Ashley in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Brady in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. CJ in Baltimore, Maryland, and Pittsburgh. Kate in Austin, Texas. Cassie in Salton, Washington. Della in Muskegon, Michigan. Derek in Redmond, Oregon. Doug in Bradford, Ontario. Greg in Brooklyn, New York. JV and JV Mail in Philadelphia, PA. Jeannie in New Haven, Connecticut. Jeff from Dayton. Johan in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Kaylin in Salton, Washington. Christy in Preston, Connecticut. Leon from Cape Town, South Africa. Nick in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Paul in Brooklyn, New York. Pete English and the English and Reeve Show in Brooklyn, New York. Rebecca from Tumblr, wherever you are. Sam in New Jersey. Sarah in New York. Sebastian in Boston, Massachusetts. Steve in Brooklyn, New York. Tatiana from Minsk, Belarus. Trevor in Salton, Washington. Kristen Ross from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Nikki and Everything in the Kitchen Sink in Toronto, Ontario. And Russian Tim from Rocket from Russia in Vancouver, British Columbia. Thank you. All of you. And You're awesome. You are the friends of the show. And sincere apologies go out to... The real Governor Tim Pawlenty. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> Things happen. It was a funny voice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And good night. Good night. Or good morning. Good morning. Yeah, have a good, good breakfast. Good, have have a, yeah, breakfast time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> we ended like we began. Fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> This concludes the 158-part series, Breakfast with the Beak. In that series, Johnny Goodtimes was played by Michael Saud. Dr. Heisenberg was played by Joshua Clark. And the theme song, Chaco Taco, was composed and performed by Captain Fun, played by Joseph L. Conti Jr. Additional cast. The parts of Dr. Soxenberg, Bradley Cooper, Rusty Beauregard, Soggy Waffleton, Tom Carvel, and Blumpkin the Clown were played by Michael Soud. The parts of Tim Pawlenty, Globy, Abner the Applebat, Chudley, and John Chimpo were played by Joshua Clark. And the part of Christy was played by Christy Cipriani. Breakfast with the Beak is a production of the Beak Podcasting Network, a division of Order of the Beak Enterprises, headquartered in Brooklyn, New York, in the United States of America, on the planet 